Hi, Rav Judah here with Masechet Ediot, Perakei Mishnavav, dedicated towards the merit of Rav Shlema for Tova Miriam Bat Devora Mindel. We're moving on to Akavia bin Mahalalel, and this is an interesting Mishnah in that it includes not only the content of his Edut, but actually a bit of a narrative around it. Akavia bin Mahalalel hid Arbadvarm. So, like so many others in this Masechta, we have a name of Atana, and he testified to four halachic positions that he said belonged to, it's a question whether he said they belonged to the majority, they belonged to his teachers, but he testified to four things. However, this was not very popular that he testified to these four things, because the rest of the sages maintained, the Chachamah maintained, that that was not the proper position, and they were trying to talk him out of it, because he was as we'll see, quite respected. And he maintained, no, 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 this is the halacha. And they said, I really don't think so. Uh, there, are, there are shades here and uh, echoes of the story of Rabbi Lazar ben Hurkanas, who was also in Bav Metziah Nintet, the one of the greatest of the greats. And when he wouldn't sort of get together and say, no, 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 that's the majority position, and kept insisting on his own position, there was a bit of a problem with ex- excommunication. For those who are familiar with the story, otherwise, discussion for another time. So Akavya Memahalalel testified about four things. Armulo, the rabbi said to him, Akavya, chazor bach ba'arbedvarim shahita omer, v'nascha av beitin li'israel. They said to him, listen, if you retract that you maintain that this is the majority position, because it's not. If you're willing to take it back, we will make you an Avbeitin. Avbeitin is like the fourth most important position of the Sanhedrin. There's two heads of the Sanhedrin. There's a Nasi Beitin, then there's the Avbeitin. You're going to get a really prominent position. Amalahem, he said to them, Better I should be called a fool all the days of my life. God forbid I shouldn't be called evil in, or wicked in front of God because I said something incorrect about what my teacher said that I would I would basically perjure myself. And not only that, that I also don't want people to say that the reason I retracted was for some sort of public position, that you basically bribed me into this. No, 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 that's my position. It is only right and appropriate that I stick to it. So what are these four things that he testified about that they said, no, 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 that wasn't the proper position, that wasn't the majority position, you're claiming it's the majority position, but it's not. Okay, so the first is, has to do with when one has a, a leprous marked Sarat, it's not really leprosy, it's, it's not leprosy of the modern day, it's a physical manifestation of a spiritual illness, but the bottom line is a person has Sarat. So there are different kinds of Sarat. One of them is where one has a bright white spot patch shows up on the skin. And then it heals. However, when it heals, it leaves behind some white hair that had actually been there beforehand. A person had white hair on their arm. Then this spot came around. Then the spot went away. The white hair is not still there. And then the spot comes back again. Do we maintain that the presence of the hair all along, this white hair, means that the spot never truly went away and it's still the same first tumage coming back? Or do we maintain that, no, it completely healed and that this hair is not an indication of anything it doesn't make somebody tame? So Kaveh Mahalalel said that it makes you tame because that hair is a sign. The fact that even though it was white beforehand, but the fact that the white hair is still there when the patch goes away shows that the, the, it hasn't really truly gone away. Damyarok is a question of different colors of blood, whether they are mitame. Um, obviously, usually blood has a red shade to it, red or purple, something along those lines, crimson. However, what if, for example, there is blood that emerges, nida blood, or potentially nida blood, that is more of a greenish color? Is that a red that has transformed, or is it something completely else that's not blood at all? Akavi bin Mahalal says that that is considered dam nida, and it's, uh, it makes a person tame. And the Chachamim said, no, that's actually not a, it's not a blood, it's, it's not a normal it's not a menstrual blood, it's not a need of blood, it's nothing to worry about. 
or not to worry about it, it doesn't make a person tame. Chachamim metaharin. In both these cases, the Chachamim say one is still tahor, ritually pure. Third, matir se'ar b'chor ba'almum Okay, when one has a firstborn animal, that firstborn animal is to be given to the Kohanim. If the animal is whole and healthy, it gets sacrificed, offered part of it on the Mizbeach, on the altar, and the rest of it goes to the Kohanim to eat. If the animal has a mum, if it has a blemish, then the Kohen still has to shecht it within its first year. That's the mitzvah to shecht it within its first year. After it's shechted, they can eat the meat wherever, and they can shear it, and they can take the wool, etc. However, up until the time of the shechita, which has to be in the first year, you're not allowed to take the wool. That's an issue. Or take, you know, take the, the hair, etc. So what happens if hair or wool has fallen out during that first year? And one saved it. It says here, Bachalon in the window, but it's really saved it anywhere. Any good hiding place or saving space. So you save the wool or the hair. And now want to know, now that I've checked the animal within the first year properly, can I now use that wool? Or So Akave bin Mahalalel says that, uh, that one is allowed to use such hair or wool after the shechita. Hachamim say no. You weren't allowed to save that because the goal is for you to shech the animal as soon as possible and certainly within the first year. So you can't save it and use the wool later on. Only after shechita can you then shear the animal. Fourth, fourth position that Kavim Mahalalel took was that in the case of Sota, where a man and woman are married, and he has a specific concern that she may be having an affair with a particular guy, and he gives her a, a warning in front of witnesses, that, and he's told not to do this, but he does it anyway, and he warns her and says, I don't want you to go into private with such and such person. And then, in front of witnesses, she goes into private with such and such person. She comes out of the Motel 6, but she claims that they were only playing checkers in there. So, now what? So, the, uh, the question is, that wouldn't be a normal case of Sota, where she would now drink the waters, because we're stuck. We don't know that an affair happened, but we don't know that it didn't happen, and the conditions are certainly quite suspicious. We'd prefer not to have gotten to this point, but here we are. So, she drinks the special waters, and we find out. However, according to Kavim Mahalalel, we don't do that for a woman who was not born Jewish, who is either a freed slave, who then basically became freed and became Jewish, or a gioret, a regular standard Jew by choice convert, that the, the language in the Pasuk indicates this is for women who were born Jewish, but otherwise we just, we don't even start giving, administering the waters. The Chamim say we do. And then they said to him, Amru Lo, they said to Kavim ben Mahalalel, here's where things get a little more dramatic, there was a certain woman named Karkamit, and this story happened. She was a freed slave. She was in Jerusalem. gave her soda waters to drink. So we can show you that you're wrong, He said back to them, No, he just did it as an example. Either as an example to other people, as an example, they, they, either there's different opinions here. They were sort of faking the laws and didn't really give her real soda water, or they were just trying to show that converts are, are respected. Shmai and Italian, by the way, were according to many, were converts. So they were showing that. The problem is that that is, say, he's saying that Shmai and Italian did not actually follow the halacha as the heads of the Sanhedrin, but were rather faking or playing with halacha, which is quite a statement to make. Veniduhu. So the rabbis put Akavi bin Mahalalel into excommunication. Umate bin Niduyo. And he died while excommunicated. Visaklu beitin arono. Literally, the beitin stoned his coffin. What it means is that when someone dies in excommunication, we put a rock on his coffin to let everyone know as the casket is being carried out that this person is in excommunication. They did not die in the good graces of the Jewish community. 
Amr Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda said, Chas v'shalom she'akavya nit nada. Are you kidding me? He says, God forbid that a kavya ben Mahalalel, who is such a great person, that he was put into excommunication? No way. Ein she'in azara nin elet b'fnei kol adam yisrael b'chokhman b'yirat chetchet kavya ben Mahalalel. That when the gates of the temple were closed, this has to do with Erev Pesach, but the bottom line is when the whole Jewish people were together, there was nobody who was greater than a kavya in wisdom or in fear of sin. He was a very, very good man, and there's no way they actually put him into excommunication. So what says Rabbi Yehuda? At me, Nidu, who did they actually excommunicate? Elazar ben Chanoch. It wasn't Kavya ben Mahalal, it was Elazar ben Chanoch. What did Elazar ben Chanoch do? He basically made fun of and was questioning the whole notion of washing hands, because usually Tumah applies to the whole body. And there's a Dirabanan that Tumah can apply just to the hands, and that's why we wash before bread, etc. He said, oh, that's a ridiculous concept. They said, hey, that's not for you to say. This is what the Sanhedrin has decided, and that's inappropriate. When Elezer ben Chanoch died, Beitin sent out messengers and put a, a rock on his casket. We put rocks on a grave as a sign of respect and love to show that we've been there and to let this, the soul know that we've been there or something along those lines. It's a longer discussion for another time. But putting it on the casket is a bad sign. And they did that for Elezer ben Chanoch. No, to teach you that anybody who is put into excommunication and dies in excommunication, we put a stone onto their casket.